So I want to say a big hello to everybody online, and let's take a minute here, Ormond. Let's say a big hello to Palm Bay and Deland. Give them a hand for being a part. Yeah. And a big shout out to Eva down in Palm Bay for sharing her testimony today. Way to go, girl. Appreciate that so, so very much. All right. Go big or go home. That's the title of the message today. Go big or go home. I was never that kind of person. I wasn't the kind of person that thought life is about going big or going home. I was more concerned about going home than I was about going big, right? Like I was, I, how many of you in here, how many of you in Palm Bay to land online, how many of you are adrenaline junkies? Wow. See, I asked the Saturday night crowd, they're a little bit off, right? At least half of them raised their hand, right? 932 people, right? Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I mean, I'm 58 years old and I've never ridden a roller coaster. Oh, hu oh, hush up, hush up, right? I just, I'm not the, I'm not that kind of person. Like I've never been the kind of person that thought, man, life is about going big or going home. Like you're never going to get me in the Timoka river. There's alligators there. Like. That's just not my bag. Like, I'm not that kind of person, right? And the reality is I think that there's far more like me in the world than there are the adrenaline junkies. I mean, if the room here is anything representing of Palm Bay or Deland online, it's probably true. We're more, we're more about playing it safe than we are about going big or going home, right? It reminds me of a story I heard growing up. L logging was, was a, an industry that, that happened up in the Midwest. At times, and so there was a logging company that had an ad out for a lumberjack, um, and so they put the ad out. And one day, this scrawny, scrawny little man showed up with his own axe, and he said he was there to apply for a job. the The foreman looked at him and thought, eh, "I'm not sure that he's going to be able to cut it." So he asked the guy, and the guy's like, "Listen, you know, looks can be deceiving. I know what I'm doing." So the guy thought he'd give him a chance. So he sent him out in the woods where the biggest tree was at, and he told him, you got five minutes to bring that thing down. Four minutes later, the guy showed back up. Foreman looked at him and said, you done? And he's like, all done. Walked over and checked it. And he came back and looked at the scrawny little fellow, and he goes, where in the world did you learn to do that at? And he says, did you ever hear of the Sahara Forest? And the guy said, you mean the Sahara Desert? And he goes, well, that's what you guys call it now. Go big or go home, right? I got, I was, I was blessed to be able to work in restaurants for many, many years and I got my start, I got my real start in restaurant management running a pizza hut. Loved running pizza huts. How many of you remember, how many of you remember this pizza when it came out for Pizza Hut? The Bigfoot. Nice, right? How about this one? The Triple Decaroni Pizza. Does anybody remember that? Okay, it wasn't one of our best sellers. Right. So this is how big or go home I got. Like we decided one night after work, we were going to make a Bigfoot triple decker pepperoni. Right. It was the greatest pizza I've ever had. Right. I mean, that's the extent of my go big or go home. Right. In Acts chapter two, the narrative, the narrative begins to change everything from chapter one. All of a sudden, Acts two opens up a window to a brand new narrative that you and I are now living in. 
And it's the age of the church. We're now living in a narrative that Acts 2 opens up on. And so today we're going to take a look at the first 13 verses of Acts 2. So if you've got your Bibles with you in Palm Bay to land online or in here, phones, whatever you're going to use, I'm going to ask you to open those up to Acts 2. If you don't mind standing at all of our campuses as we read these first 13 verses. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome... Both Jews and converts to Judaism, as well as Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. You guys can be seated. Go big or go home. Acts 2 changes the narrative, and it starts with the big spirit. An absolutely big spirit. You, you saw the narrative, right? In Acts 2, verse 2, Luke writes, Suddenly a sound of a blowing violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. Right? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The church is going to get started with a big spirit. Now listen, there's lots of opinions in the church about what the Holy Spirit does and doesn't do. I mean, in the 12 years that we've lived here in Orman, I mean, we have clear divides between churches who believe in certain works and acts and powers of the Holy Spirit and certain churches that don't believe in any of that. Even within our church at Tomoka, here in Orman and in Palm Bay and DeLand and people that are gathering online. There's a discrepancy between what we believe the Holy Spirit does. Now, you want to get me aggravated? Tell me that absent the miraculous that we focus on so much, speaking in tongues and these these miracles of healing, tell me that absent of that, the Holy Spirit isn't at work at Tomoka and you'll see me go from zero to a hundred. Because the reality is, we've so, listen, we have so misunderstood what the Spirit's role is in our lives that we've almost made Him impotent if He isn't causing you to speak in tongues or having a prayer closet with your own special language or if there's not this overwhelming sense of emotional outpouring on a stage with multiple people across the room speaking in, in utterances that nobody can understand and nobody's there to interpret. Listen, the Bible's clear about what the Spirit does. And it is a big Spirit. 
Listen, let me just read some of the verses and we could spend the entire day on these, on, on more of these verses, but I picked a handful. So you'll see what this big spirit does in your life. First Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that you're, that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives. I mean, seriously, I mean, this, this, this has always overwhelmed me. The God of the universe, the God who created everything in six days. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Lives in you. Right? And we are, listen, it is amazing how small we've made that power. And yet the Spirit of God dwells in you. I mean, what, a, what an amazing thing. And, he, and here's the thing. We've, we've, we've made him basically a hand puppet. That if he's not causing you to do these miraculous, he's not doing anything at all. But listen to what the Spirit does. John 14, 26, the counselor, right? Paraclete in the Greek means legal counsel. One who will speak on your behalf. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach. Everybody say teach. That teach you all things, remind you of everything I've said to you. Listen, my prayer every time, every time I teach or preach, is that God will simply teach you the truth. I mean, I know that God calls people to be pastors and teachers and evangelists. But listen, my words, Joe's words, Joe's words, uh, Carrie's words, Jason's words, uh, Shane's words, Ben's, David's, anybody that speaks or teaches, listen, my words aren't going to do you any good. But man, the Holy Spirit, he's an amazing teacher, right? He's an amazing teacher. I mean, think about it. The Holy Spirit will come and he will give you wise counsel. He will be your legal counsel. He will give you wisdom. How about this one in, in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all what? Listen, for so many of you watching online in Palm Bay to land here in Ormond, listen, the Holy, Holy Spirit constantly speaks to you. He's constantly guiding you into truth. Now, the world would try to direct you somewhere else, right? That thing that you feel when you come to church sometimes, that, that, that thing in your gut that's, that's hard to describe, that conviction you feel when you read a certain devotional or hear a certain song or you read a certain scripture or listen to a certain preacher, that thing is the Holy Spirit at work in you trying to guide you into all truth. Man, we minimize that. We minimize how amazing that spirit is in a world full of lies. The spirits at work to teach us and to guide us into all truth. Man, you can't ignore that church. Man, when the spirit of God is tugging on you and teaching you, man, don't ignore that. Because that's when we get into trouble, right? Ephesians 1.13 says this about the spirit. Check this out. You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, if you're a believer, Pompeii, the land online, Ormond, if you're a believer, say amen. amen. Right? He says, having believed, listen to this, you were marked or sealed in Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. It goes on to say that that is the guarantee of our redemption. Do you realize that the thing that makes God recognize you as one of his is not your beautiful singing voice? It isn't a great sermon you preach. It isn't going on a mission trip. It's not how many chapters you read in your Bible. The only thing God recognizes that acknowledges you or I as his is the presence of the down payment, the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember going to Kmart. Anybody remember going to Kmart? 
right? Like, like Kmart was a cooler version of Walmart, right? But I remember going to Kmart and my mom would put things on layaway, right? How many of you have ever used layaway? Like, like some people in the room are going, what? Like y'all, you know, Amazon, right? Like we would go into Kmart and be too poor to buy a $12, whatever. So my mom would put down a dollar and that dollar was her down payment guaranteeing that she was going to come and buy that thing for 12 bucks, right? Listen, God's much more reliable than my mom was because there were things she left at layaway that she never went back and got. Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't just guide you in the truth and teach you all things. The presence of the Holy Spirit, it identifies you as a person that God will never forget. And he will always come to ultimately redeem you. It is a powerful entity, the work of the Spirit. It's a big Spirit. He goes on to say in Romans 8, 26, listen to this. In the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us in our what? Weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. Guess what the Spirit does? The Spirit himself intercedes on our behalf with groans and words that we can't express. Ever been in so much pain and so much weakness? You didn't know what to pray? You didn't know what to say? Right? Listen, the Holy Spirit intervenes on your behalf. Because the Holy Spirit searches your heart, knows God's heart, and knows exactly how to intercede for us when we're broken and in our weakest state, have no idea what to pray. The Spirit works on your behalf. It's a big spirit, man. Listen, there's a lot of pain in this room. There's a lot of pain in the room in Palm Bay and in Deland, and there's a lot of pain online. There are times you and I just don't know what to pray, so we don't say anything. In those moments, man, the Holy Spirit knows you and knows God. And knows how to intercede for you on your behalf. That's a big spirit, right? This one, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear. But the spirit he gave us is a spirit of what? Power, of love, and of self-discipline. I'm going to just camp here for a minute. Listen, we live in a world that's been overwhelmed with a message of fear. Every time you turn around, social media, news outlets, it doesn't matter. It's fear, 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 fear. And listen, I get it. Like this, this virus comes out of nowhere, right? And all of a sudden, everybody is freaking out for their own life. They don't want to die. And we're broadcasting across every outlet we can find and every social media we can find that, you, you know, you're going to die. And now it's if you don't get the vaccine, you're going to die. And if you don't get the booster, you're going to die. And it's just going on and on and on and on and on. You had the political upheaval and what's happening in Washington and across our world. And now you've got Russia and you've got Ukraine and you've got all this mess. And here's the message over and over. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. You see, here's the problem, Christian. You and I don't have a spirit of fear. Right? We don't have it. Now, let me be clear about something. The spirit of God that gives you power doesn't make you obnoxious. Right? But listen, we've got a big spirit. Our world needs to see believers who aren't afraid. We need to show the world believers who believe in a spirit that's given us power and not fear. Listen, I get it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a father of five. I'm a grandfather of soon to be nine. 
I get being afraid. I get being, being overwhelmed. You don't know my kids don't clap, right? Uh, you, 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 we, we don't, listen, I get it. There's a lot like, I mean, I can't believe the thoughts that you have as you get to a point where you're pushing 60 years old and thinking to yourself, you know, the world's going to pass me by at some point in time and I'm not going to really be of much value and I wonder what I'm going to do. I mean, you begin to think about these stupid things and it's easy to get afraid and you get a little pain in your back and you're like, oh God, I got cancer, right? And you're like, you're like, you're like worried sick about it, you know, and it's so easy to get in your head. Listen, our world has been completely crippled by fear. A society has been brought to its knees by fear. And look, if you don't believe me, just look at how angry the world is at people who don't act afraid. Listen, the Holy Spirit didn't come to bring you fear. So if you're afraid, that's not of God, that's of who? Listen, that's of the enemy. Listen, fear has no place in the Christian. The number, the number one thing that Jesus said, the number one thing that the gospel writers record that Jesus said was this, do not be afraid. It's the number one thing he said. You study everything that Jesus said. If you've got a red letter Bible study, here's what you're going to find out. The number one thing Jesus said was fear not. And then ask yourself, how much time do you spend being afraid? Afraid of sickness, afraid of this, afraid of that, afraid of COVID, afraid of, of, of politics, afraid of Russia, afraid of this. We're afraid all the time. Man, our world needs to see Christians who aren't afraid because the spirit in us is a spirit of power. Amen, church? Listen. And we aren't just a world that's afraid, we're a world that's full of hate. Right? It's just like the line in, in the Grinch when he was trying to find something to go to the party. Hate, 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 loathe, hate, 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 right? Like, like, that's the world we live in. Just look at the stuff that gets put out on social media alone. I mean, we had a funeral for a fallen police officer in New York City, 20 some years old. Shut the whole city down. Thousands of people showed up. And one actress in New York City went on a TikTok rant talking about how stupid it was and how irresponsible it was to honor a fallen police officer who probably died for doing his job wrong, is what she said. And the reality is that's just one of a million things that get broadcast in our world because hate, 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 hate. And here's the sad part, church. Whether you're in Palm Bay, Deland, right here in Ormond or online. Unfortunately, some of the loudest voices in our world today, full of hate, go to church on Sunday morning. Listen, that can't be. It just can't be anymore. I don't know what you need to hear from the Spirit of God who guides into truth and teaches you. But I can tell you this. Hate isn't of God. The only thing God hates is sin. God didn't call us to hate people who sin. He called us to love them. Our world needs to see believers who either keep their mouths shut or talk about love and not hate. Because here's the thing. We're not pushing your agenda. We're not pushing my agenda. We're pushing God's agenda. And God has one agenda. And that is to see that all people repent so that nobody perishes. And here's the thing. You can clap for that, right? Like that's our mission, right? But we've got to get, listen, 
Our world needs power to overcome fear. It needs love to overcome hate. and needs self-control to overcome all the moral addictions and struggles that people are having in our world today. Listen, drug rampant is absolutely out of, drug use is absolutely out of control in our world today. It's out of control. I talked to a police officer in our community who said every week they're getting now four, five, and six calls with fentanyl overdose in our community. And here's the thing. It's on our elementary schools. It's in our middle schools, it's in our high schools, it's in our colleges, it's in our homes, it's in your communities, it's in the church. Listen, our world is a mess. Our world is a mess. You know what it needs? It needs a big spirit. Not your spirit, but God's Holy Spirit showing you a powerful way to live, a loving way to communicate, and a self-controlled way to live your life. For some of you in here, for some of you at Palm Bay and Deland, for some of you online, your biggest struggle in your faith has been getting yourself under control. I don't know if it's, if it, I don't know what the sin is that you're struggling with, but we don't have a spirit that goes, I don't know how to overcome this. We have a spirit that knows how to do that. We have a spirit that knows how to overcome that. And our world, listen, our world needs, our world needs more than ever a big spirit to communicate what the world is trying to throw at us because those are just the voices of the enemy. Amen, church? It wasn't just a big spirit. It was a big start. It's a big start. I've never raced a thing in my life. Never raced a bicycle, never raced a motorcycle, never raced a car. I did run in human races once in a while, but I never raced anything, right? But I love to watch racing. I started watching motocross when I was young because my uncle rode in it. I love watching people race again, not that go big or go home person, right? Like, I'm not going to do that, right? I'm not going to run the risk of getting hurt, but I love watching it. A couple weeks, NASCAR is coming to town, and we're going to have the 500, right? I don't know why we clap for that. Like, right? Like, if you really like racing, go out there at 30 degrees and watch the 24 hours of Daytona, right? Like, the best part of going to the 500 is finding the concession stand that's serving the best food, right? Like, right? But listen, here's the thing about watching the race. The best part of the whole race is as the cars warm up around the track and they get closer to that that green flag, right? And eventually all 40 of those cars come together, Right? And you're sitting there on the front stretch and these cars with unbelievable RPMs underneath their hoods, they come roaring down that starting line, right? And here's the thing, when that green flag drops at the Daytona 500 this year, those 40 cars are expected to do one thing and one thing only, and that is get off to a good start, right? Because look, look what happens when they don't. I found a couple pictures. This... This is a wreck that happened at a start of a race because somebody in the front didn't get off to a good start. Spun their tires, slipped a gear, did whatever, and look what happens. Here's another one in a truck race. This happened at a start as well. They come around the corner and somebody in the front missed a gear, spun the tires, and they didn't get off to a good start. Here's what you know about Acts 2, man. They're going to get off to a good start. This new narrative gets off to a great start. I'm going to point out two verses to show you a great start and how it applies to us today. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 6, it says this. When they heard it, right, the crowd heard this sound. Those people from all over those nations. 
when they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment, right? Because, listen to this, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Listen, here's the reality. Before this, only certain people were allowed to hear. Listen, Judaism wasn't for everybody. Listen, if if you weren't a native Jew, you weren't accepted. If you were a woman, your voice, you weren't allowed to hear, right? People depended on a handful of people to give the truth to them. And the reality was everybody else who didn't, wasn't able to read, wasn't spoke to. Listen to what the narrative says. Everyone heard it in their own language. You see, here's the new narrative, church. The message is for everybody. Come on, everybody in Palm Bay and DeLand and online and here in Oregon. Everybody say, everybody. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe the message is for everyone? How many of you are not sure? Everybody in church, everybody at Palm Bay to land. I know you raised your hand. So let me ask you a question. Let's just, let's just be real here for a minute. What do you do? I mean, listen, we, Joe got up on this stage eight years ago and he called this place a rescue center and the crowd cheered every service. Who are we rescuing? We're not rescuing you. You've been rescued, right? We're rescuing people that are drowning and dying and need a physician. What are you going to do when the doors open and in walks the couple that's the same sex couple and they've had a ceremony and they've been married and they sit in the row beside you and they hold hands, right? And they put their arms around each other. What are you going to do when that, when that, that person who's struggling with their sexuality and going through a sex change operation or dealing with transsexual issues walks in your door and sits in your seat? Because the reality is, if the message is for everybody, it's got to start here. It has to start in Palm Bay. It's got to start in Deland. It's got to start online. It's got to start here in Ormond. The reality is, if the message is for everyone, then everyone should be what? Welcomed. Man, that's going to cost some of us. I mean, black people forever weren't allowed to be welcome in churches. I mean, women who wore pants... Weren't allowed to come to church for a while. I showed up at church with long hair and an earring and I wasn't even welcomed in church. Imagine that. The reality is if we believe the message is for everybody and we open our doors to everybody, you better be ready to make them feel comfortable. Because the reality is you're not and I'm not here to change them. We're here to get them to Jesus and Jesus changes them. Right? Listen, we got to do that. Because everybody heard in their own language. Listen, the message isn't just for special people anymore. It's for everybody. It's for every lost person. The thing I love most about Tomoka is that I know at our core, even though individually at times it's not practiced well, at our core, we go around the world and we ask you to support that and go for that and to pray for that, to give money to that, because we want everybody to hear the gospel. But I'm telling you right now, in 2022... The greatest mission field this church has, that Palm Bay has, and DeLand has, is the community they live in. It's the number one mission field. I mean, there are over 30,000 people in Ormond Beach alone that don't go to church. There are thousands upon thousands of people moving into our community. 
And they're coming from all walks of life. And they are some messed up folk. Are they going to be welcomed here? Man, I hope so. Because everybody heard in their own language. And then in verse 7 of chapter 2, it says this. Utterly amazed, the crowd says this. Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Here's why that's important. Because in the day, the people of Galilee were viewed as ignorant, uneducated, troublemakers. Their heritage was questioned because of where they lived in relationship to Judea. It was the northernmost part of Israel. It goes Judea, Samaria, and then Galilee. I mean, they weren't people that were looked upon as highly favored. The crowd goes, how are these people doing this? Aren't they all just ignorant, uneducated, troublemaking folk who we're not even sure that their heritage is legit? Here's what you need to know, church. That is this. It's time for you and I to recognize that God wants to use everybody. Everybody. Listen, I don't care what your story is. God doesn't care what your story is. Here's what he cares. Is that when he calls you and you receive him, he gives you the spirit. And in that call, he says, you got work to do. It doesn't matter. Look at what, look at, this is a hard verse. First Corinthians 1, 27, Paul talking to a church, an incredibly popular area, Corinth with all these fancy rich people in this port city. It's what he says to this church. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Sometimes we have an overblown view of ourselves, don't we? Listen, God loves broken people. Man, he loves broken people. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tells us, God cares about you because you're not the power, you're the pot in which the power is put in. And the weaker and the more broken your vessel is, the greater the glory of God's light can shine through that. We want to give God our best and we want to be our best all the time and we want to, we want to be strong and we want to be all this. And yet the Bible says that in our weaknesses, God's power is made perfect. That's why Paul said, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. I'm going to make sure I celebrate my weaknesses. We don't do that. Man, you come to church and start celebrating your weaknesses. People are going to be like, what is wrong with that person? Like, we don't show people our weaknesses. I mean, those people, we don't want to, don't trust those people. I mean, I was in a small group with that person. We can't send our kids there for an overnighter. Like we make people who are weak feel like they don't belong. Why? God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the foolish things of the world, foolish people of the world to shame the wise. God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Listen, when the narrative changes, we get off to a great start. Because all of a sudden, a message that used to not be for everybody is now for everybody. And all of a sudden, the people that God would use, who are very select people, he now uses even uneducated, ignorant Galileans. Why? Because he loves broken people. And here's the thing. For some of you in here, some of you in Palm Bay, some of you in the land, and certainly some of you people online, it's time for you to step up and let God use you, right? It's Just ignore it, right? So... I checked my microphone battery before I came out. It said, it said I had eight hours and 20 minutes left on it. So you're, we're good, right? We're good. Right? The reality is, is that God wants to use you. For some of you, I can tell you what the Spirit's been talking to you about. 
It's been guiding you into all truth and all wisdom, and it's been trying to teach you. It's time for you to do something. Listen, our campuses are suffering from a lack of people who are willing to be here to serve. Our children's ministry is closed rooms because we won't have, we don't have people who serve. We've got people signing up for groups and no leaders. And not just here, it's in Palm Bay and Deland, and it's online. Listen, for some of you, this is where it boils down to today. God's spirit, that's a big spirit, has been telling you it's time to get off the sidelines. Because God uses Galileans. He can use you. You need to get into the game. Because ultimately, this boils down to a big question. It's a big question. Acts 2.12 says this. Amazed and perplexed, these people ask one another, what does this mean? What's it mean? Listen, we are, Joe says it all the time. And man, it is so true. I, when, I'll be honest with you. When Joe first started talking about the trouble that we're going through in our churches, I, I, I just, I wasn't sure I believed him. Don't tell him I said that, right? I just didn't know if that was true. And man, I started listening and I started watching services. Our churches are in trouble. They're in trouble. And here's why. We're, we're, we're changing the message from a biblical Christianity to a cultural Christianity. And here's what churches are telling people. God is here for your agenda. The biblical Christianity says you and I are here for God's agenda. What preachers are saying now to people is, listen, it's about you. Listen, I grew up with a dad who was raised by a man who had no emotion, no feeling, and was mean. And raised my dad that way. And my dad was a hard, he was a hard man. And my dad was the kind of person that did not care at all. If he did, he never said it and never showed it. He was the kind of man that never cared about my story. He didn't care that if his decisions affected me. I was raised by a father that basically said, get over it. Anybody relate to that? We take a lot of pride in that, man. Our generation takes a lot of pride in that. It toughened us up. And now we're generationally proud and we make fun of millennials. Oh, they're so soft and they have it so hard. Right? And we make fun of them. And now... Now we've reached a point in our church story and in the world story where we're trying to now value people's story. And I'll be honest with you. I, for one, am glad we're finally opening our eyes to the reality that every person's story matters. Yes. It matters. Like, I, listen, I grew up in a day and an age where there were lots of people whose stories didn't matter. Like... We bullied and made fun of those people who we thought their stories didn't matter. And I know that some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Whether it was on the school bus or the playground or, or where it was at, there were people, if they were poor, if they stunk, if they didn't have this, we made fun of them and we bullied them. And here's what we said, it'll toughen them up. No, it didn't. It broke them. It broke them. And the reality is we so minimize people's value in their story that now we flipped out. Now, the whole message is, it's about your story, and it's about your truth, and it's about what works for you. The problem is, that's not biblical either. Why can't we be people that find the middle and understand the middle is where it's at? Listen, let's be clear here. Palm Bay to land online, Orman. You have a story, and that story matters to God. Can somebody say amen? Amen.
Because it doesn't matter if you're black or white or rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you live in a mansion or if you live in a one-bedroom apartment. It doesn't matter if you live in Holly Hill or whether you live in Palm Coast or South Daytona. It don't matter where you come from. Here's the thing. God, the God in heaven, he values your story. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. God values your story. But here's the thing. Let's be clear about this. Your story is not more important than God's story. It's never going to be, right? Listen, the value of your story is found in the power of God's story. And here's God's story. I'm going to give my message to you, and I don't care who you are, and I don't care what you've done. I'm going to tell my message to you. And here's the other thing. I'm going to use you because you have that much value to me. Listen, we've got to find that happy medium because here's the question. What does this mean? Well, I can tell you, if you're not a Christian in here, Palm Bay to land online, if you're not a Christian, here's what it means to you. John 16, 7 and 8. Listen to what Jesus said. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's for your good that I'm going to leave. Why? Because unless I go away, the counselor, who we know now as the Holy Spirit's, not going to come to you. But if I go, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Listen to what the Spirit does. When the Spirit comes, He's going to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Here's the thing. How many of you know people that don't know Jesus and you've been talking to them about Jesus? Let me see your hands. Palm Bay to land online, right? You got people. And how many of you find it tempting to talk about their sin? Because man, they need to see how stupid they're being, right? Can I explain something to you? You and I were never told to do that. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world to sin. And you know what? He's really good at it. He did it for me. I know he did it for some of you. And some of you, and some of you, and some of you, and some of you. Man, the Holy Spirit, when he gets to working and convicting, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's what he does. So listen, if you're in here and you're not a believer, you're a first-time guest, you might be thinking, holy cow, what have I stumbled into? Listen, the reality is this. You stumbled into a place where there's a God who values you. Values your story. And he's going to tell you the best news in the world because he doesn't care. He's not a respecter of persons. And when he tells you that story and you accept that story, he's going to tell you, you've got a job to do now. And now your story's become more valuable. But if you don't know Jesus, there's only one end to your story. And for some of you in here, some of you in Palm Bay and Deland, and some of you online, I know the Holy Spirit's been convicting you of sin. I know he's been convicting you of sin and of righteousness and judgment to come. Man, today's the day. Today's the day to get this done. If you're online, there's a button that says, I've decided. If you're in DeLand or Palm Bay, in DeLand, Pastor Ben will be there. If you're in Palm Bay, Pastor David will be there. If you're in Norman, right up here to the right of stage, our decision team will be here. What does this mean? Well, if you're not a believer, it means it's time for you to respond. And stop ignoring the Holy Spirit that will guide you into truth. And if you're a believer, listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Across all of our campuses, online and in Norman. If you're in Jesus, let me hear you say amen. amen. Here's what he says. You're a new creation. And the old has gone. And the new's come. Listen, for some of you, what's it mean? It means it's time to let go and move forward. It's time to finally shed that old skin and that old nature. And get back to what you're supposed to be doing, man. Because you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. Listen, we've got a big spirit. Let's not dummy him down to just two things. He's got a lot of work to do. Because we got off to a great start. We invited everybody. And we started using anybody. Because we've got a big question. 
for people to ask. Paul wraps it up in Acts or in Ephesians chapter 3 and he says this, Him who's able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for getting us off to a great start. I know we haven't always been good about keeping up the momentum and we certainly have gotten in the way. I pray for our church. Pray for our campus here in Palm Bay or in Palm Bay and the land and for our online community and for our campus in Ormond. Father, help us to let your spirit shine. Our world needs to see that big spirit. Father, help us to understand, man, we've got to we've got to get off to a better start. Help us to see the messages for everybody, which is going to make us uncomfortable when they come. Help us to fight that uncomfortableness and help us to welcome people so they can have an honest chance to meet this God who sent his son. And ultimately, Lord, I just pray today that the decisions that need to be made under the conviction of the Holy Spirit will be responded to. To your glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.